breast cancer and autoimmune disease. What is that connection? So today we are talking with my very special guest, Dr. Jen Simmons, and I'm going to tell you about her in just one second, but I I want to speak to all the women out there who are breast cancer survivors, or they're just breast cancer scared, and you know who you are, that you have this continuous fear that this is going to be something in your future. And we really want to break it down today, release some of your fears, but also educate you at the same time so that you know how to proceed, especially if you do have an autoimmune condition. So let me tell you about Jen. Dr. Simmons started her professional career as a breast surgeon and a leader in cancer care in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, right in the state that I'm into. Other side, after spending 17 years as Philadelphia's top breast surgeon, her own illness led her to discover functional medicine. In 2019, she left her esteemed surgical position for functional medicine and founded Real Health MD with a mission to help women with breast cancer truly heal. Are you finally at your wit's end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound... Like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. And I quote this from her, my team and I help people to do more than just treat symptoms. We know that killing the tumor isn't the answer. The answer is in healing the patient. Dr. Jim believes that we all have the ability to live healthy and productive lives. Unlike traditional medicine, which is designed to address the symptoms of illness and throw Band-Aids on it, functional medicine looks to get to the root cause of the disease, which we love here on this show. Her method is simple. Remove what is harmful and not serving you and add what is beneficial and brings you joy. Simple as that. This integrative approach takes into account your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual and social well-being. And we will give Dr. Jen's info in the show notes and at the end of the podcast. So Dr. Jen, thank you so much for jumping on and bringing us your experience and your knowledge. This is absolutely fantastic for every woman listening. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, You know, every opportunity that I can get to spread the gospel, I want to spread the gospel. Absolutely. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm right there. We all have a story. Right. We are, we're, we are all in this functional space because we've sure. been through something. For sure. So I want to hear your story. Yeah. Mine, mine's a doozy. Okay. <laughs> we're ready. <laughs> so um, I come from a breast cancer family. So my first cousin was a woman named Linda Creed. Linda was a singer songwriter in the 1970s and 1980s. She wrote all the music for the spinners and the stylistics. She wrote 54 hits in all. But her most famous song was The Greatest Love of All. 
So she wrote that song in 1977. I know I cry like every time I tell this story. (laughs) So she wrote that song in 1977 as the title track to the movie, The Greatest, which starred Muhammad Ali. But it really uh, received its acclaim in 1986 when Whitney Houston released it. Mm-hmm. And she released it in March of 1986. And at that time, it would spend 14 weeks as the number one song on the chart. Yep. Only my cousin would never know that. Ah. So she died of metastatic breast cancer in April of 1986, just one month after Whitney released the song. Oh, my gosh. And I was 16 when she died. I was nine when she was diagnosed. I literally had a rock star as a cousin. Like, yeah. you know, people use that term figuratively. Yep. Well, my cousin was a rock star and she was my idol. And to have to go through that with her very young children and watching their mother being taken from this world. And I was super impressionable at the time. And I, I knew at that, at that moment that I was dedicating my life to do whatever I could do to prevent women and families for having to go through what Linda went through and what my family went through. Yes. And I did the only thing I knew how to do. And I became a physician And I became specifically a breast surgeon. And I did that for many, many years. Was at the top of my game. I was innovative. I was doing things that no one else was doing Mm -hmm. and was highly respected for it. And I'm also a wife and a mother and a stepmother and an athlete and a philanthropist. And in 2015, I have like all of these balls in the air and I think I'm an expert juggler. Mm -hmm. And one day they all come crashing down. I went from someone who could get up, play two hours of tennis, go to work, work a full day, come home, get dinner together, shuttle the kids to practice. Like I was literally doing it all to I couldn't walk across the room. Like literally my health was just taken from me. And I'm sitting in the office of my friend, colleague and physician. And he told me that I need surgery and radiation and chemotherapy And all of these things that I recommend to my patients all day, every day, without hesitation, without reservation. And yet when it's coming at me, I feel like I'm in Charlie Brown's classroom. All I hear is won't, 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 right? I'm in a total fog. I'm I'm having an out-of-body experience. And something instinctively just told me that this was not my path, that this was not my journey. Mm-hmm. And so I went on an exploration selfishly. This wasn't about healing anyone but me. Right. It's okay. And as, as an MD, we get like almost no training in the area of nutrition. Right. It's like a completely overlooked thing and taught as being meaningless and trivial. So I thought because I wasn't overweight, 
that I was healthy. And I thought that because I wasn't fat, I knew about nutrition. Mm -hmm. So I decided that I needed to find a little humility. And I certainly, you know, when, when you Google Graves disease, which is what I was diagnosed with. Okay. When you, I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. When you Google Graves disease or any thyroid disease for that matter, it just so happens that Graves disease is life-threatening because people go into cardiac arrest when mm-hmm. it's not treated. Yep. When you Google that, it talks about diet, 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 diet. So I decide I'm going to enroll in the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and just get more information, right? More information is always good. Yeah. Good for you for taking that first step. There's 99% of MDs don't even do that or want to know more. For sure. But if I'm being honest, I was still in there as a snooty booty. (laughs) I'm a physician. What could I possibly have to learn? Right. Right. So I'm sitting in one of the first lectures and a man comes on to speak. His name's Dr. Mark Hyman. Ah, uh-huh. And he introduces himself as a functional medicine doctor. So here's my snooty booty self. At this point, I'm a doctor for 20 years. There's no such thing as a functional medicine doctor. I never heard of a functional medicine doctor. If I haven't heard of it, therefore it doesn't exist, right? Right. So, but I tell myself, like, you're here for a reason. Check your ego at the door. Sit down and listen. And within five minutes of hearing him talk, this clarity washes over me. And I realize that the entire reason that I got sick was that so I would be in that seat on that day, listening to that man, because this is what I was put here for. This is how I am to fulfill my life's purpose. This is how I am to change the paradigm of breast cancer. Because focusing on the tumor is focusing on the symptom. The tumor is the result of what's happening. The tumor is not what's happening. Right. And so at one point I was working full time, enrolled in the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and enrolled full-time in the Institute for Functional Medicine. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Just a little bit crazy, a little type A crazy. That's all right. We all are. Yeah. And when we say a little, we mean a lot. A lot. But, you know, four or five years later, there I was, all trained up and ready to go. And in 2018, I gave notice to my hospital that I wasn't going to practice surgery anymore because once the light went on for me, I knew that I couldn't be a part of that system anymore, mm-hmm. that I couldn't be a part of a system that doesn't really change the trajectory of health for people. Right. Cutting out the tumor doesn't change why they got the disease and it doesn't change how their body is responding to their environment going forward. It's just delaying the next manifestation of their inflammation. And I wanted to help people get out of that inflammatory place and that inflammatory cycle. Wow. And so in 2019, I opened up my functional medicine practice and I continue to help people and families. You know, you talked about the worried well, right? The people that don't have breast cancer, but they're certain that it's part of their destiny. Mm -hmm. 
I'm, I'm helping those people to change their destiny, to control their destiny. And for people who have already been afflicted by breast cancer at any stage in their disease, mm-hmm. I'm helping them to restore health and wellness. That is so beautiful because we can these days. We sure. have that epigenetic component where we are not destined for doom. We are not destined to express what our our genes have. So if your mom had breast cancer, your grand had breast cancer, your aunt had breast cancer, it doesn't mean that you are going to because you can employ some of the techniques and and just really treatment programs that you lay out for people. But it's, when we think about it, like Graham and mom had breast cancer and oftentimes what happens is that it's not the genes. It's the fact that you're all growing up in the same environment. Yes, that's true. Yes. I, oh my gosh. I didn't even so, think about you that. Know, right. We learn how to live from our parents mm-hmm. and we, most of us, most of us, not all, most of us end up living a life like our parents. Yeah, that's very and, true. And so if we, re- if we continue to recreate the same environment, it's going to have the same environmental effect. Mm-hmm. And it's only when we break that pattern, break that mold, break that paradigm. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about a physical environment, but I'm also talking about a spiritual environment, a, a psychological environment, because these things end up having the exact same impact. They do. And we know that stress is a huge trigger Huge. Of disease. Huge. Huge. Yes. Right? Right. Especially in the area of autoimmune disease. Oh, yeah. I, I would mean, venture to say that there is no autoimmune disease in the absence of stress. Of stress. Right. Well, I'll I'll joke with women and say, like, I know that you think that having a baby is just the thing to do because it's natural and you're a woman and that's what you do, but it's a huge stress on the body, which is why we see, oh, it was after my first kid that everything went to hell. And that's when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's or Graves disease Mm -hmm. or whatever other autoimmune condition pops Mm -hmm. up at that time. It's that, it's that stress point in time in your life where that the switch turns on. Yeah. So we have kind of interpreted stress to be bad. Stress is not all stressors are bad. Like planning a wedding is super stressful. It's also right. joyous. Right. Right. So there are lots of stressors that are that are joyous and exhilarating, but they're still stressors. Yeah. And so the problem really comes about because we're only designed to tolerate stress for very short periods of time. Stress is very necessary. Without stress and the hormones of stress, which are cortisol primarily, mm-hmm. we couldn't get out of bed in the morning, heal a wound. I mean, you know, we, we need the, these, these hormones for motivation and strength and fortitude. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that so many of us live in a chronically stressed state where, you know, we, we were either meant to face the tiger and run away or be eaten. Right, right. We're not designed to be chased by a tiger in perpetuity. Or be constantly worried that the tiger is going to chase us at some point of time. Yes, that's exactly right. Right. So with with our modern lives, 
we've created this perpetually stressful state because we have deadlines and, um, and social media pressures. I mean, just the social media pressures alone are astounding. That people, people who take social media breaks, regular social media holidays, they are so much healthier than their counterparts who never do. Yes. Because that social media, that it's a beast. Everyone's perfect. They're creating this, these totally unachievable, unrealistic re- realities for people yeah. that no one can live up to them. No, no. And, and it's, and it's horrible. And people say the meanest things. I mean, I, I like stopped reading any of my comments because no matter what I have to say, someone always disagrees and they're so mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. You see a whole new side of people because yeah. they're behind, you know, they're mm-hmm. behind a login. They're behind yeah. a username. Yeah. So, a lot of bravado out there in their, in their anonymous space. I know. Oh my gosh. So Jen, can you tell us what is the connection then? Because you have autoimmune yourself and obviously mm-hmm. a lot of my listeners have more Hashimoto's than Graves disease. Although with Graves, we well, see it Hashimoto's over to Hashi. is much, much, much more common than Graves disease. Although as you, as you alluded to, there is a progression where most people who start off with Graves disease, which is over, uh, it's not actually overproduction of thyroid hormone, but it results in an abundance of thyroid hormone due to destruction of thyroid gland and releasing the thyroid hormone into the system. But eventually those people will burn out and become hypothyroid absolutely, and have underproduction. Yep. So what many people don't realize is the metabolic state that accompanies Hashimoto's and the percentage of women in the United States suffering from Hashimoto's is very, very high. Mm-hmm. It's probably in and around 20%. And we have completely normalized this as a medical profession. Oh, just take thyroid hormone right? No one ever talks to these women about why this happened and what the effects are. But ultimately we know that it's a metabolic slowdown Mm -hmm. and it's also a decrease in basal body temperature. Well, bad things happen when we decrease our basal body temperature because it's there for a reason. It's there so that we can lower our microbial population, the harmful microbial population, like viruses and yeast and mold. So at a lowered temperature, those things get to creep up. Your immune system is not as effective at a lowered temperature. And so these people have chronic inflammation that goes completely unrecognized because no one's thinking about what what's the what are the ramifications of their temperature being low? Right. No, and I've never heard that question from a patient before. Like, wait, yeah. my temperature is only ninety six. What yeah, what can happen? Yeah, we don't you, think about that. You you ask these people that have Hashimoto's, and they'll tell you their their basal body temperature is ninety seven. Mm-hmm. It's not normal, and that that has clearly been linked to cancer, not only breast cancer, colon cancer too. Okay. okay. Yeah, there's, yeah, a clear, there's a clear link between that. Okay. So I, I believe that it's the combination of low basal body temperature 
and the chronic inflammatory state that accompanies hypothyroidism, especially autoimmune hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. And because nothing is really ever done to address the why, people are just put on thyroid hormone. And, you know, most people, when they come to me, because about 25% of those people will go on to develop breast cancer. Okay. So it's, it's a, it's a large percentage of people who have Hashimoto's that will go on to develop breast cancer. And those people like are not even having thyroid antibodies measured. No one's, no one's following the inflammatory process in these people. Right. So, you know, I'm seeing them and I'm, I'm probably like the first one measuring thyroid antibodies for these people Mm -hmm. because I can't address the breast cancer without addressing the why they got breast cancer. And for many of those women, the why is this chronic inflammatory state that they've been in because of their thyroid dysfunction. Right. The autoimmune piece. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And with autoimmune, well, with any Hashimoto's or thyroid condition, I mean, we know hypothyroidism, 95% is autoimmune, is Hashimoto's. Yeah. Yeah. So of that, I, I would say about... 95 to 99% of those people have insulin resistance too. So mm-hmm. they have this excess inflammatory hormone in their mm-hmm. body, which is needed, but then in excess creates even more inflammation accompanying the autoimmune condition. Yeah. And it's a vicious cycle that's, that's feeding itself. It is. Right? Yeah. And unfortunately, most endocrinologists don't, put that together and don't know how to break the cycle. I mean, when you look at, when you look at the ADA recommendations for, for how they should eat, Mm -hmm. they're, they're completely wrong. Totally wrong. Totally. And so traditional medicine does a really good job in the acute care space, right? Like there's nothing else that can repair a hip. And, you know, like in an acute care situation, we, we do a great job. Absolutely. But Hands in terms down. of managing chronic disease, it's awful. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely awful. And it's because we treat chronic disease like we treat acute disease. Like there must be a pill for this. There must be a procedure for this. Right. Right. And never, you know, you didn't get diabetes because you fell off your bike, (laughs) (laughs) right? You have to, you have to think about it differently, but we just don't. We just don't. don't. Very true. Very true. So when you're working with patients that come in and again, whether they're trying to prevent or do you, do you even see patients who are trying to prevent breast cancer or do you see them once they have been? Okay. I mean, I would say that I see the gamut. The prevention people are people who have a genetic mutation and they're trying to prevent that diagnosis. And, you know, the traditional medical recommendations are to have your breasts removed and depending on which mutation you have to have your ovaries removed. And while that, that will present, prevent a large percentage of people from developing the disease it doesn't prevent everyone. And at the same time, not everyone who has a BRCA mutation mm-hmm. is going to develop the disease. So there's something else in play, right? Yeah. 
Right. And that thing that's in play is that anti-inflammatory life that you talk about with all of your patients and that I talk about with mine. Right. And yep. so that ends up being the far more important piece. And so if people want to undergo preventative surgery, I support people in whatever they decide is right for them, because at the end of the day, they're the one that have to live with the decision, not me. True. So if someone is certain that they're going to develop breast cancer and the only thing that will quell that fear is to have bilateral mastectomy, then I absolutely support them in having bilateral mastectomy. However, it's an and thing. Do that and this. Right. Because at the end of the day, creating that correct environment for you, and that looks different for everyone. So we are still very bio-individual. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, what's right for someone is not right for someone else. And so... It's still about figuring out what the right thing is for you and, you know, living in that space most of the time. So I tell people, you don't have to be perfect. It's what you do most that matters. Right. And we can't be perfect. We can't no, be perfect. no one can be. No one can but, be. But most of the time we need to live in that, in that healthy space that's right for us. Absolutely. Well, you had mentioned kind of doing an anti-inflammatory, reducing inflammation. So can you dive into that a little bit more yeah. in terms of, because people might think, even if they listen to this podcast, they're still thinking, as we all do, wait, inflammation means I hurt my elbow and it's red and inflamed or my right. knee is swollen. So can you get into the inflammation Absolutely. inside our bodies as it relates to cancer? Yeah. So, um, There are a number of things, any number of things that can cause inflammation. And inflammation is a literally a chemical shift inside of your body, right? So I talk about the the stress chemistry versus the chemistry of joy. And for most people, that, that journey is a little different, but that there, there are distinct differences between where they start and where they finish, starting in that chemistry of stress, that inflammatory state. Mm-hmm. So it can happen because of a trauma and injury. That can definitely be a trigger. But stress is one of the biggest sources for most of us of inflammation. And that can be, it can be perceived stress and it can be actual stress. So you can have physical stress. I, I, I see marathon runners all the time, right? And yeah. they they say, like, I don't understand. I'm a marathon runner. I'm in perfect health. How did this right. happen? Right. And they don't realize that that's quite stressful on your body. So if you're if you're a distance runner for 10 years, guess what? That's a long time to be in a stressful state. Something's going to happen with that. And there are people that do it better than others. But at the end of the day, that that is a stressor. It's a major stressor. So, you know, stress is definitely a trigger for inflammation. Toxins is a huge trigger for inflammation. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't just have to be pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. 
like the, the things that they put on conventionally grown food and, and animals. But if your body doesn't want something, it's toxic to you. Yeah. So I think that we would all argue that despite it being a nightshade, like tomatoes have great uh, beneficial, beneficial qualities, but to me, they're toxic. Right. Right. Like I can't eat tomatoes. So it's not, tomatoes aren't bad. No one would tag that as a bad food. Right. It's bad for me. Right. And this is where that whole issue of bioindividuality comes in. And I think now, that's really important to, yeah. to point out because I, I think too many people get sucked into kind of going back to your social media point, sucked into social media. And while there are great Facebook groups out there, fantastic ones that can provide a lot of support and information. Mm-hmm. We as consumers will get sucked down the rabbit hole and say, oh my gosh, I have to avoid all dairy and all nightshades and I need to eliminate everything. What the hell am I going to eat? And it's I like, know. no, it, just like you're saying, Dr. Jen, it's, it's very individualized. You have to find what's going to work for you personally and what's going to inflame you. Yep, exactly, exactly. And so, you know, being mindful of being bio-individual and without judgment, right? You're not a bad person just because you can't eat these things, right? Right. Right. But there are some blankety things that I, that I believe in. I don't happen to be a supporter of grains just because grains for Almost everyone who carries a breast cancer diagnosis is just an inflammatory food. It is. And, and, grains and, are inflammatory. and nearly everyone who I get off grains, not initially, but eventually thanks me for it yeah. because they feel so much better. And they didn't realize that they felt crappy because that's how they always felt because they had always been eating grains. It's true. I I have that too. You're so right. Yeah. And so they think that like feeling crappy is normal and it's not normal. It's been normalized, but it's not normal. It's not normal to feel crappy. So toxins in the way of pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, but there are foods that are toxic for you. And also there's a lot of toxins in our environment. You know, we are like inundated with plastics inundated. Yes. They're everywhere. Everywhere. And antibiotics are everywhere. And between antibiotics and plastics, they are having tremendous negative effects on our hormone balance, on thyroid hormone balance, on the sex hormone balance. And it's a huge problem that incidentally, the generation above us didn't have to deal with. No. So we're going to see way more thyroid disease and way more breast cancer than the generation before us because of these, the, envir- the impact of these environmental pathogens. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And I even heard an analogy a couple of weeks ago. I thought it was funny because I remember these videos. Remember like the buns of steel and the abs of steel, right? Those, those videos that we would do in our living room. Yeah. Uh, they, someone said, you know, remember the buns of steel series that actually used to work and you would actually lose weight. But these days, you know, fast forward 20, 30 years, normal taking care of yourself doesn't work because of the endocrine disruption 
that we are all exposed to because mm-hmm. of the amount of toxins and chemicals and pesticides and plastics and, and everything so, that we are exposed to so on a daily true. basis. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and it's literally everywhere. You know, I tell people like you put that Keurig pod in your coffee machine in the morning. Guess what? You're dripping plastic into your into your cup. Yeah. You know, like you think you're doing yourself a favor because you're drinking out of a mug, but you're putting plastic in your cup. Exactly. And you look at all, at almost all toothpaste and shampoos and conditioners and body lotions, and they all have antibiotics in them. They do. And they all, they have phthalates in them. And there's just so many things that are seeping in our skin and in our drinking water and in our products and in our food. And, you know, it's like a full-time job to, to beat this environment. It is. It is. And it's all highly inflammatory. So it's this inflammation that we can't see. It's so clear to people when they fall and hurt themselves. You know, you have a big swollen elbow and it's red and hot and you can appreciate that inflammation. This is a different beast. Right. This is invisible. So people don't, they don't see it. And they felt so bad for so long that they don't perceive it. All that they know is they've got more fat around their middle. They have no energy. They're not sleeping at night. They just, they, they just don't feel well, but they don't know why. So those would be the symptoms that people can kind of tune into to, if they're asking themselves, am I inflamed? How do I know if I'm inflamed? Would those be some of the symptoms on that list? Those are definitely some of the symptoms. Yeah. Brain fog is a major one. Like if you are suddenly struggling for words or just feeling a little, you know, slower than normal, just not, you don't have the clarity you used to have, that's that's inflammation in the brain right, right there. Mm-hmm. If you have, you know, joint aches, joint swelling, that's inflammation. Mm-hmm. If you have unexplained weight gain, that's inflammation. So all of the hypothyroid all symptoms the hy- can yeah. layer on top yeah. of, yes. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Because when we look at the spectrum of autoimmune disease, like a lot of them share symptoms. Mm-hmm. They do. Right? And it's because at the base of all of those, at the root all of all of those is inflammation and everyone will manifest that inflammation a little differently, right? Like, so I come from a, an autoimmune family and a breast cancer family. So five of the nine uh, women in my grandfather's generation died of breast cancer and their children all got breast cancer. So that is how my family manifests the inflammation. So the key is, to stop that in its tracks. That's where the intervention needs to come in. It's what is causing the inflammation and avoiding that. And that same paradigm is true for everyone. It's just that what's at the root of your trigger is going to be different than mine. Yeah. No, I'm glad you mentioned that because I know people are sitting there thinking, well, wait a minute. I have Hashimoto's. I have autoimmune. My basal body temperature is low. 
oh my God, am I going to get breast cancer? Does this mean that I'm going to get breast cancer or some form of cancer? So the answer obviously is no, but coming back to what we said in the very beginning, that you can do things to change your genetic expression as you have with such a family history steeped in autoimmune and breast cancer. So what, what can people do to prevent occurrence and to prevent recurrence? Yeah. So the first thing that everyone should be looking at, especially if you've already been diagnosed with hypothyroidism, if you have Hashimoto's, you should be checking antibodies and you should, you should be figuring out what is triggering that autoimmune disease and get rid of that. Mm-hmm. Getting rid of the inflammation, knowing what your high sensitivity C-reactive protein is, yep. making sure that that stays normal knowing what your sed rate is, making sure that that stays normal, knowing what your vitamin D level is and making sure that you're optimizing this and doing everything that you can to really empower your your immune system to normalize. But an autoimmune autoimmune disease is always triggered by something. It's mm-hmm. it it doesn't happen de novo, it doesn't happen out of nowhere. And so figuring out what your triggers are are really important. And they're almost always coming from from your gut. So diet ends up being really important. And I really believe that anyone who has autoimmune disease, certainly anyone who has breast cancer, you just cut all grains out of your diet. Yes. They just like don't belong there. They are highly, highly, highly inflammatory. Mm -hmm. They trigger insulin. They trigger insulin-like growth factor. Um, They they often cause intestinal permeability, and that's where autoimmune disease develops in the first place. And it's almost impossible to consume grains without consuming all the pesticides, herbicides, fungicides that are used in the growth and processing of them. Right. So not only do you get rid of an inflammatory stimulus, but you also get rid of a significant toxic burden when you cut grains out of your diet. Yeah. Yeah, you really do. Because even if you go gluten-free everything, you're still getting some grains, you're getting processed, you're not guaranteed, you know, pesticide-free. It's usually high in sugar, which is also inflammatory, which will also spike your insulin. So yeah, just yeah. going, you know, gluten-free. I, most of that gluten-free stuff is junk. Oh, it is. I mean, like, in my opinion, like that's for children who you just can't manage otherwise. But right. if you're a grown-up, just do it. <laughs> do it. You can use that do as it. a little crutch in the beginning. Yeah. The first couple of weeks, yeah. go ahead and get your gluten-free pasta down, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then and then just, you know, you gotta rip the band-aid off. Yeah, you do. You really do. So for you yourself with Graves disease, how are you controlling that now? Is it controlled? Did you swing over to Hashi? What so is your current health situation? It it was a it was a long journey for me because I was doing it all myself and learning along the way. But it took three years. And like I'm proud to say that I'm healthy. Everything is, you know, my numbers are normal and have been for a long time. But I walk a tight line, a really tight line. Mm-hmm. And I know that if I, if I stray from my 
from my routine and what, and what I know works for me, I suffer and I suffer quickly. Right. I know that, you know, I can't have a cheat day because a cheat day for me puts me in bed for a week. Kind of a blessing though, because it keeps you on track. Whereas those people who can have a cheat day that can, you know, and they don't have a repercussion that can become a habit then like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I got away with that. I'm good. I can do, I can do another pizza and beer day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So unfortunately cheat days turn into like a cheat week (laughs) and there's a cheat month. Yeah. And yeah, so it, it really does. It, it, it can perpetuate itself in a really unproductive manner. I, I don't want to, I don't want to paint too rosy a picture. Like it was, it was hard and it still is hard. But the other thing is that I know what it feels like to feel good. And I didn't, I didn't realize before, like when I would eat pizza with my family for like two days afterwards, I couldn't think. And I didn't know that it was brain fog. And I didn't know that that was my gluten dairy sensitivity. Yep. And, you know, when you're young, you get away with a lot more. You do. And so it got, it started to get progressively worse in my forties. And now like thinking about it, I probably was symptomatic well before I crashed, but I just ignored it. I thought like, oh, I'm doing too much. Maybe I'm not supposed to have this much energy. Uh, maybe I'm under too much stress. And that's why I don't sleep at night. Like not thinking about the insomnia was from the Graves disease. Yeah. We tell ourselves, we make things that are not normal, normal. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I've, I've become very, very in touch with myself, but my family hates it. Right. Like I'm, I'm the worst mom in the world. Oh yeah. The food no, in our house, in the house. What the, the hell? food in our yeah. house sucks. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> However, and, though, you just said, Jen, that, that in your forties and that you were practicing for 20 years, you look like you're 40. Oh, so whatever you're you. doing is also working for you on the outside as well as the inside. Thank you. Thank you. But I work hard. Right. Yeah. Like absolutely. I work hard and I, and I walk the line and I, and I, and I walk my talk. Absolutely. You know, I always say like, I don't tell anyone to do what I'm not doing myself or what I wouldn't be willing to do myself. Oh, hundred percent. Half the time we're experimenting on ourselves before we tell. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Right. You know, it's just, we have, we have normalized this American lifestyle and it's awful and it's so very far from how we were supposed to eat and think and live. It is. Right? We've gone so far it's from so what from what we are designed to do from an evolutionary standpoint. So we are we're living in this modern world mm-hmm. on a very old gene code yeah. that doesn't know from any of these franken foods and artificial light and you know, 5G and, you know, like our bodies don't even know what to do here. No, they don't. Yeah. Our bodies are, are a disaster. I always say do the Disney test. So if you've ever been to Disney world, you can go to any amusement park, right? Cedar point, whatever. 
and just sit there for a half an hour and watch people go by. And what you want to do is you want to count the amount of fit, lean, healthy people oh, that you see. Yeah. You're not going to see them at Disney. On two hands. So <laughs> You're really not going to see them at Disney. Yeah. I, it is, it's, it's very, very sad. And, um, I don't, I don't know if help is on the way yet. You just have I, to change I, one person at a time, honestly, just with your sure. message with, yeah, for sure. And I, I know that, that there are lots of people like you and I who have, you know, become enlightened, mm-hmm. but the, Traditional medical training is still focused on disease. There's almost no focus on the promotion of health. And we are still serving big business and big ag and, you know, and it's an, it's an uphill battle. It is. It is. And, uh, you know, I, I still have plenty of patients who are going through chemotherapy who's medical oncologist, and I'm not trying to throw medical oncologists under the bus. Right. Believe me, I know how hard their job is. I know how much they care. I know how much they love people and want to help people. But, you know, they're saying, no matter what you do, don't lose weight. Eat whatever you want. Eat ice cream. You know, literally telling people to eat ice cream. I'm not making that one up. Oh, no, no. They told my dad when he had cancer to eat ice cream. Yeah. Eat ice cream. Yeah. Eat ice cream. Drink milkshakes. Yep. Right? So you don't lose weight. They're still, right. they're still serving Boost and Insure yeah. in <laughs> medical oncology suites all across this country. Mm-hmm. They are. And, and you know, it's it's a problem because there's a huge disconnect that the very things that that they're doing in our medical profession are perpetuating the disease rather than reversing it. Mm-hmm. And most of these diseases that we know of can be reversed. Right? Yeah. But you have to you have to reverse engineer it too. You have you to go back to what is driving it. You do. You absolutely do. Okay, I, I need to ask you this question before we start to wrap things up and you tell everyone where to find you. You and I talked about this off air. The reason why I want to bring it up is because you are a breast surgeon, you're a breast expert. I hear all the time when we're talking about, because I, I love bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. I think it, it can help a lot of women. I, I, I mean, it's very, very safe. I've gotten into the Women's Health Initiative, how that was so many years ago and they use synthetic hormones. What is your take on using bioidentical hormone replacement with patients who are breast cancer survivors or they have a gene or, and and they've just been scared by conventional medicine to stay away from all hormones, let alone just estrogen, all hormones. Right. Right. So I think we need to back up and talk about most breast cancers are not a result of the ovaries having produced too much estrogen. So those plastics, those antibiotics, those things that are in our environment, they act as xenoestrogens Mm -hmm. and they are quite toxic and they bind to the estrogen receptors in our body with far more affinity than our, our endogenous estrogen does. Right. And when they bind, they don't let go. Right. 
So they're having these really toxic estrogen-like effects in our body. And I, I really believe that that's where most of breast cancer is coming from. It's not from endogenous hormone production. Now, when you looked at that Women's Health Initiative study, that was all based on synthetic hormones. Right. So from the start, you're giving inflammatory hormones to people because everyone's going to have a foreign body reaction to that. Everyone. So you'll see everyone's CRP go up when you start to introduce synthetic hormones, CRP, C-reactive protein. It's one of the things that we use to measure inflammation. Mm -hmm. the, other, the other thing that really needs to be considered is not so much the making of the hormones or the hormones themselves, but how are we getting rid of them? Because when we get rid of our hormones, it's a two-step process, phase one and phase two detoxification. So we have to take hormones, which are fat soluble, and turn them into something that's water soluble so that we can pee, poop, sweat them out. Right. And most of, most of our hormones go out through our gastrointestinal tract. So most of them are going through fat soluble to water soluble, and then we're pooping them out. Mm -hmm. In that transition between fat soluble and water soluble, we make things in the middle that are quite toxic. So if you're someone that doesn't do that detoxification easily yep. or efficiently or effectively, then that's someone who I would never give any hormone supplementation to, right? Until you improve but, that pathway, yeah. Yes. But if you're someone who is has an efficient detoxification system and your breast cancer came because of all the exogenous hormones and you can get rid of the plastics in your life and start filtering your water and get rid of the antibiotics and eat organic and, you know, get rid of the fragrance and the house cleaners and all the things that are running down your estrogen pathway other yeah. than, other than estrogen, that's a totally different story. Right. Right. So I think it's really a mat. First of all, it has to be an individual decision. There are no blanket decisions here, right. not for anyone with breast cancer, not for anyone with Hashimoto's. There are no blanket decisions. We have to consider the individual. What are the things that are driving the disease? And if you get rid of those disease drivers and you help them with detoxification and you help them to find peace, love, joy, equilibrium in their environment, and they're suffering from not having enough hormones, I think bioidenticals is perfectly appropriate as long as they're detoxifying them. Right. But it, again, it's an individual story and you need to know each person's story. You do. And I love how everything ties together. So coming back to, it's almost like you want the person to build up their foundation first before you do anything else. So let's, let's get the nutrition going. Let's get the inflammation down. Let's, let's build up that, that core base so that then when we layer on bioidentical hormones or even thyroid replacement, hormone replacement, it's going to work better because you have that beautiful foundation laid. The inflammation is down. Now everything can work in synchronicity instead of trying to throw something on a, a pile of trash and, and hope that it, it looks pretty. 
You know, it's like exactly what lipstick on a pig. Lipstick on a pig. (laughs) (laughs) And and that pig needs a lot of lipstick. Whereas, (laughs) right? This is something that I do with every single patient, is I'm always trying to optimize them first before I try to replace. Yep. Right? Because maybe I'm not saying no one needs replacement, but maybe they only need a little replacement and not the the amount that you would have had to put in had you tried to do it from the beginning when they didn't have the when they were still inflamed when they didn't have their system working in harmony right exactly exactly yeah. well dr jen thank you so much for coming on, bringing your knowledge. I can't even believe that we've been talking for almost an hour. That just flew. So I want you to please tell the listeners where they can find you, especially if they are in this situation where they desperately need you. Absolutely. So anyone can head over to my website, which is realhealthmd.com. And if you, you can look at my programs there, if one of my courses sounds like it's right for you, I have a prevention course. I have um, a course for anyone along the breast cancer spectrum called My Answer to Breast Cancer. Mm -hmm. Or if you think you want to work with me individually, there is a button to apply for a health strategy call with me. And we can talk about what your health goals are and see if it's appropriate for us to work together. You can follow me on Instagram at Dr. Jen Simmons. I try to be inspiring every single day. You can follow me on Facebook also at Dr. Jen Simmons. I think LinkedIn too. <laughs> I don't know. Have Again, you brought like, down in a TikTok yet or no? You hold them back. <laughs> I, I haven't. I know. It's I haven't. So, uh, I, I, know, I know a lot of people are going there, but I, I don't know if my people are going there. I know. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't know that dancing about breast cancer is the, uh, <laughs> pointing in the air. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is I'm the right you. take for me. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. yeah. Well, Dr. Yeah. Jen, thank you so much. We're going to put all of your information in the show notes, including the link to that course as well. Right. which sounds amazing. So thank you so much again for your time and your knowledge and your story, your very heartfelt story. And we will be thinking of you and, and yeah, just wishing you the best. And hopefully people will reach out if they need you. Thank you. Thank All you. Right. We'll talk to you soon.